You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation. And I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support and bookkeeping to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right. We are a few weeks in now to uh, a series wrestling with this question, can smaller worship venues be viable? Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about uh, some of the inherent problems with trying to find larger worship venues, things like the cost, the availability of them, and the uh, shared experience that many churches are having with less, like smaller church attendance Mm -hmm. as a result even more than people like leaving the church in droves, just the irregularity sure. of it. And so, you know, many people are experiencing half to 75% empty worship venues. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, we have been looking at, can we actually make smaller venues work in a way that it is a very good thing for the church? And for the last two months, as we've moved into a smaller venue, it's just been a tremendous experience for us. Absolutely. And so we've kind of talked about some of the problems with larger venues. We last week talked about some of the opportunities that arise when you're in a smaller venue rather than just the bad, hard things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but this week we do want to be honest about some of the challenges that we have come up against and that people working with smaller venues are inevitably going to come up against. Absolutely. Right? So to jump right in the first one, uh, and this is interesting because last week we talked about one of the opportunities is it, it does satiate our share when you have more people in a smaller space, mm-hmm. it satiates our shared longing for intimacy. Mm-hmm. But I think the point that I would make this week is that the experience of intimacy when we gather together is a double-edged sword. Sure. So we had a woman in our church uh, just a few weeks ago, and in her prayer request, she just wrote, "Pro, uh, what was she say? Pro worship is intimate. The environment. The is environment more is more intimate." Con, the environment is more intimate. Yeah, and and you know she's got a lot and going on in her life, and as a result, has had to like process through that. Uh, is similar to me, and that sometimes that can make you emotional, and that's something that like you can't stand in the back in the dark corner and like have a good cry, a good cry by yourself. It's like for all of us. Yeah. And, um, and, and no matter what it is, you know, I'm even more aware of, um, I have always sat kind of in the production area. Um, I do my best to engage in the service and large in part, like I'm also, you know, kind of working. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm getting text messages or, you know, we need a runner because it's snowing more than it usually does and people are going to slip. And so like finding that and getting that added to the, you know, all of those types of things you're trying to solve for. Meanwhile, uh, I've always just sort of been in the back and it's not been a thing. And now I'm, I just feel very like on display. Mm-hmm. And Vulnerable. So it's, yeah. It's far more like, it's far more, I'm far more aware of the fact that I wonder if people are like, 
why doesn't he get off his phone mm -hmm. or whatever? And meanwhile, it's like the kids, people are like, what do we do about this? Or what, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, that, yeah, exposure yeah. is just way more like, oh gosh. Yeah. I, mean, I would even say the teaching experience is radically different. And I was oh, sharing, I we, we had a member of our teaching lab, Mackenzie, teach on Sunday. And I was telling her that... Um, I think uh, my my observation would be for less experienced teachers, um, the smaller room is a much better place to cut your teeth because mm. to carry a large room yeah. as a communicator is more difficult. Sure. Like it requires a, a, a specific kind of set of skills to be <laughs> able to do that, to sound like uh, taken. Liam Neeson. Liam yeah. Neeson. Um, <clears throat> but I would say having, I've, I personally feel much more comfortable in mm. bigger rooms and sitting up on my little stool on my tiny little half moon stage um, with people just all up in my business. It's just like you're, you're hard pressed not to make, if you're not making eye contact with people, then you're like looking at the ceiling and it's really awkward for everybody. Yeah. And just to give people like a point of reference. Uh, so you've chosen to like sit uh, on a stool and mm -hmm. teach. Not mm -hmm. everyone does, but yeah. that's what you've chosen. But if you were to outstretch your leg far, you would hit the knee of the person in the front row. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I could. That's how tight we've got. If I sit in the front row during worship, I can just stretch out my hand and touch the band. Oh, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. It's, it's really about a three to four foot gap. We've actually it. put the band in the front row because they have to have somewhere to go and sit. Right. And no one else is going to sit there. And so the band just like basically turns around and sits down when yeah. they're done. Yeah. And so I guess what, how I'd summarize this is just while I do believe that we have this inherent God-given longing for intimacy, uh -huh. that the smaller spaces do help satiate, it, the ex because I would argue intimacy is so rare in our environment, mm -hmm. it is awkward and uncomfortable. Sure. And take I would say every week it seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable. Yep. But man, it's it's a very different experience. Well, and I think people really long for intimacy like in in their like on their agenda. Yeah. And like if you're gonna come on Sunday, that's just one of the things you gotta be ready for. Yeah. You know, if you're having a rough day or, or even if you're not uh, actually emotional, but it's just on your face, like yeah. everyone knows. Yep. And, you know, and and because we've got a church filled with great people, they're probably going to ask you what's going on. Yep, totally. So. Um, I'll take this second one since this affects me, I guess, more regularly than it does you. And you can take the next one. But I would say it does make it harder for families mm. um, in a couple of different ways. And some of this might be unique to our space, but... The, the the layout of our building is awkward. Yeah. I think, I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but we have no vestibule. We have no lobby. No. You come in to the middle of the world, like, and there's a, there's an aisle <laughs> so you can get in, but yeah. you come like straight into the room. It's like, Oh yeah. And Hello? our, um, nursery area is upstairs and our older kids are downstairs yep. in the back warehouse. And so it's just kind of divided up in an unideal manner. Yep. And so as a result of that, we also only have the two spaces for kids. And like, so the way that it's impacted my family, while two of my kids are out of our children's ministry because they're too old, yep. we did have to, because we only have the two services you or uh, spaces, you have to make a, a decision regarding to what age are you going to design these spaces? Yeah. And because we have so many young kids in our church, we yep. chose to design young. Well, my 10 year old Lincoln is not, 
pumped about that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. So he sits in the service with us yeah. and it's totally fine. But it's also like if you have a kid potty training upstairs yeah. that you have to bring down to the bathroom, you got to get up. Everybody sees you leave the room. Come like there is no hiding out in this space. Yep. And that has been hard. And we don't, we'll, we're going to talk about this in more detail next week, but we also can't really have kids in our service at yep. all. So we've had to decide how we're going to deal with that. Yep. So all of this has come together to just make it for some families a, a bit more challenging and to require a higher degree of flexibility for them, which by and large people have been really awesome about and just saying like, Hey, these are the limitations of the space that we have. Yeah. And we believe that this is better than whatever our alternatives are. And so yep. we're committed committed to make this work together. Yeah. I mean, we've just had to make every protocol as it pertains to Sunday morning, very, very black and white. Yeah. Um, and to be a welcoming environment, ideally there's some buffer and some gray, but it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, uh, I think another thing is it really forces creativity. Um, and, and at some point maybe we'll do a series on how we came up with creative solves cause we're still yeah. working on them. Yeah. Uh, but things like, uh, connection events, getting people together. So up until this point, we've had this amazing multi-purpose space that people have used that we've used for lots of church events mm -hmm. and monthly kind of new people things that we mm -hmm. call happy hour and people have used it for birthday parties and all yeah. kinds of stuff. It's been amazing. And I mean, we had a theater and we had all this and now we have a church that's like in a tight situation. And so unless the event you have is people sitting in rows looking at like one point on the wall, mm -hmm. that's all we got. Yeah. Like we used to be able to do a lot of um, like we used to be able to change the space and like do round yeah. tables for training yeah. or we've done a bunch of meals here and we just can't. We, I mean, we literally and the reason it's not we're that they were too lazy to tear down the chairs and to bring them. Like we don't have anywhere to put them. No, <laughs> they have to stay where they are. Right. Because it's the only place they can yeah. possibly be. We literally, in order to like make enough room for our kids, we had to sell the chair rack. Right. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Because it won't fit on the trailer. So it had to go. Yep. Which, you know, again, I mentioned this last week, but this is, it's, it is very like the tiny house thing is a fitting metaphor for what we have. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen any of those shows or been in a tiny house, every essential has a, has a, a place. Oh yeah. But it only exists in that one place. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have a play, like, you know, we, we have in our house here in Salt Lake now for the first time in our you know, 17 years of marriage, we have like some storage downstairs because mm -hmm. everybody has cold storage here because mm -hmm. everybody in Salt Lake is prepared for the apocalypse, mm -hmm. um, which in our case has been awesome because now we have somewhere to put suitcases <laughs> and <laughs> to store an extra dining room chair sure. or something like that. But in a tiny house, you don't have any of that. If you got four people living in it, you have four chairs and no more. And that is essentially the way that this works for us. Everything mm -hmm. has a place, but there is no extra space whatsoever. Right. So we're having to find all of these different ways that, I mean, truthfully, we couldn't even talk about how we're doing it because we are still very much trying to figure out mm -hmm. how in the world we're going to do it. Yep. What would you say is the last one? Uh, and the last one is it might mean more services. So the reality is, um, should you grow um, and you've made a decision on a, this is a space we're going to use, um, you may be at a place where you have to do more work uh, for uh, the additional people that come. I think the only thing I would caveat that with is um, 
make sure you don't pull that trigger too soon. Yeah. Um, if you're really going to embrace this, the point is not because you believe you're going to like conquer your city with like the services at your church. Um, and so I would just really, we've decided that we need there to be standing room only for five weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we will, take a look at the second service. Mm -hmm. It's not going to just be like a convenience option or anything like that uh, because we've learned several times now it is a lot more work Yeah, and we're prepared for it and it's going to be a lot more work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like, so our very first Sunday here, we were packed. Yep. I mean, I seriously, I think we had four empty chairs. Mm -hmm. I was real anxious. Yep. And <laughs> And then the next week we had less people Yeah, because that's the, I mean, the same thing that happens in any sort of launch. Yeah. Like you launch real large, yep. everybody's there. And then within one week, the irregularity of attendance, you know, and then this is another, I, I want to say, like, I don't think that it is all like that because I think it's been easy to cast this light over people that because they were able to quote unquote consume church on YouTube for so long mm -hmm. that now they just don't want to come unless they really want to. That might be some people, but I would say uh, one trend I've really noticed is <clears throat> last year in particular, people were traveling again mm -hmm. and like, and making up for all the travel they missed. So mm -hmm. there was more of that. And then I would say in general, uh, people are are dealing and responding to sickness oh, yeah, very different, different than they ever have before. If you have, I mean, even like my kids didn't come to church on Sunday because two of them had coughs. Yeah, that never would have happened pre-COVID. No. And and I mean, I I would argue that it's a good thing because it's like there's certain things I look back on now and go, God, we were just disgusting, right? <laughs> like, like the thing I miss already is like, remember when there were like the Costco people were out there with like bug sprayers just spraying down all the carts, making yeah. That's long gone. I feel yeah. like even when I saw him do that, I was like, huh, wouldn't have minded that all along. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think people are way more cautious and sensitive about that. And mm -hmm. so we've, we've kind of hit this nice ride. I am confident that we will slowly grow yeah. in this space. And Absolutely. at some point, this is probably a decision that we'll have to make. And, but when, again, when it's yours, you have the freedom to make that decision right? in a way that we and didn't before. We did not make the decision about whether or not to make this move um, informed by how quickly that'll have to happen. Yeah. Cause the truth is if we had, that's not what God had for us right away. Yeah. Uh, that week one was not indicative of every week since then. Yeah. And we don't know when it will change. Um, and we're going to work hard to be good stewards of it when it comes, but that's it. Yep. And so I do think this would be a good point to just reiterate a lot of this, uh, whether or not a small worship venue is going to be viable for you probably does have to do with what you at least, and I'm, you might be right, you might be wrong, but what you believe God's unique calling on your life and ministry is, mm -hmm. you know, like if your vision um, is to have this kind of big, massive Mecca where your city comes, you know, like the traditional like mm -hmm. launch large model, then I wouldn't recommend this because <laughs> it's not going to be a good fit for you. Yeah. I would still say you don't have any way of knowing if that's mm -hmm. actually going to happen. And a lot of trends point toward there's just going to be a higher um, contingency of smaller churches yep. for at least a season of time. And we can bemoan that or we can seize the opportunity that God is inviting us to in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. um, but if what you really want is to build a vibrant community of people that are 
um, determined to and devoted to following Jesus on a journey together, then our experience has been, this is a really, really viable option for you. Absolutely. For all of the positive reasons that we've already talked about. So we're going to finish up this series next week, um, just talking a little bit about what our experience has been and some of the unique uh decisions that we have had to make to deal with some of our limitations in the midst of it. Yeah. So, Cause I think, uh, uh, to me, the value in that is that I think it's really easy to say, well, I mean, there's no way our space would work because we lived in this space for three years, believing that to be true. Totally. And now it's working. Yeah. So, no. And it, but it did require oh, us yeah. to make decisions <laughs> and yep. to set some limits to what we're actually able to do. And again, our commitment is always to just be as clear and honest as possible about all that as we can be so that we don't paint this picture that is not accurate. So uh, until then, um, we would love it if you took an opportunity to connect with us on social media. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, at at Ryan Hughley. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, The Lighthouse, at ryanhughley.com. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. As always, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.